When you, uh, when you think of the word worship, what comes to your mind? You know, when I think of that word, some things automatically rush in, and I'm sure they rush in into your mind as well. When you think of worship, you probably think of coming here, Sunday, 11 o'clock, singing, perhaps comes to mind, or maybe uh, reading your Bible, or praying, or maybe sharing what Christianity is all about with somebody who doesn't know Christ. It, Worship, right? Uh, what comes to mind when you think of worship? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, the passage that we're going to look at, it's actually one verse. It's in Romans 12, verses just one. And we're going to look at the context surrounding that. But I encourage you, if you have a Bible, try to find Romans. Uh, it's right after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and then Acts, Romans. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can actually grab one out of the pew. It's uh, page 983, I believe, in the pew Bible. But I'd love to hear the pages turning while you find it. And uh, before we jump into it, though, I want to give you at least a simplistic, general definition of worship. And then as we dive into this verse, we will fill that word with a lot of meaning. But just a general definition of worship is simply recognizing the value of something or someone. It's attributing, recognizing the value of someone or something. It's to attribute worship or give worship to that person or that thing. So in Romans 12, verse 1, here's what, here's what Paul writes to the Romans. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, so that's where we're going to stay this morning, Romans 1. And I think we'll see at least three ideas related to worship. The first thing we'll see is the calls of worship. Like what prompts someone to worship? You know, why would you worship something or someone or something? You know, what, what motivates you to do that? So we're going to look at the calls of worship. The second thing we're going to see is who should receive worship, the recipient of worship. What makes somebody uh, deserve to be worshipped? And then lastly, we're going to see the effects of worship. <laughs> You know, we talk about worship. Many things in the service already have pointed to worship and discussed worship. We've sang about worship. But what does it look like for the Christian to worship? What effect does that have on our lives? Well, the first thing we're going to look at is the cause of worship. And we see it right at the beginning of Romans 12 in verse 1 when he says, I appeal to you or I beseech you, brothers, Christians, by the mercies of God. And so the first word I want to look at is this word, therefore. And one thing I've learned is whenever you see the word, therefore, you should ask yourself, what is the word there for? And so what Paul has done in the previous 11 chapters in this book is he has basically unpacked how God, through the person of Jesus Christ, has provided a way for both Jew and Gentile, you know, a non-Jewish person, to be brought into a relationship with God by having their sins forgiven, by 
being given new life in Christ. And so all throughout the the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has been unpacking what it means to know God personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so he says, in light of all of that, in light of what I've just told you in the first 11 chapters, I appeal to you, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to do something, to respond in a certain way. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But he says, out of all I've just told you, how God has extended to you mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, that that calls for a response, an automatic response. And we'll talk about that. But what does he mean there when he says, okay, I've unpacked all of these 11 chapters for you and what it means to know God through Christ He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. What does that mean to demonstrate mercy? You know, there was a game I'd play with my sister called Mercy. Have you played this game? You know, you lock fingers. And the challenge was to try to get someone's fingers bent back far enough and put them in enough pain where they would say, Mercy, right? And so you, you would, basically I would always win. And so I would take my sister and I'd get her fingers behind her and then she, you know, she'd start feeling some discomfort and she would say, mercy. She'd try to hold out as long as she could. But eventually she would cry out mercy, which means, could you please relieve my pain that you were causing here? And so she'd cry out mercy. I'd relieve the pain, at least eventually. And so what does it mean for God to show mercy? Well, it means to relieve our suffering, or it means to uh, remove a burden, or it could mean to uh, hold back a consequence from us that we deserve. Okay, that's what it means to demonstrate mercy. And so, specifically in Romans, what he's talking about here is that God has shown ultimate mercy to us, and that He has removed this this burden we have called sin, which has separated us from God. And so Paul's saying, in light of the fact that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has extended to you mercy to remove this separation from you and God, if you would just accept His gift of forgiveness in Christ, if you've experienced that, that that calls for a response. It calls for worship. So, I appeal to you, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Now, how do we respond to mercy? How do we respond to someone who has demonstrated mercy towards us? You know, we see the calls of mercy. I mean, the calls of worship is an experience of mercy. Receiving mercy, receiving the goodness and love of somebody. Okay, we see the cause of worship. But who receives the worship? Who should receive the worship? Think about it like this. Let's say you were speeding down the road. Not that any of you would ever do this. But hypothetically, someone somewhere was speeding. And they were going pretty fast. You know, well over the speed limit. And a police officer pulls them over. The police officer walks up to the window, and what usually happens? You know, they usually ask you a question. 
Do you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> in other words, do you want to admit your guilt now? Or should I inform you of your guilt in just a moment? And so you say, officer, I was flying down the road. <laughs> I was speeding. I was going very fast. And he said, you're right. And you know, because you were going that fast, okay, I need to give you a ticket, or at least I should give you a ticket, and it would cost you this much money. It's going to make your insurance go up this much, and that's what you deserve. But I'm going to let you off today. I'm just going to give you a warning. Now, some of you are thinking, that never happens to me. <laughs> I always get a ticket. And some of you, you know, all you've had is warnings. I mean, you just receive mercy left and right. But when the police officer tells you this, I'm going to let you off with a warning. How do you respond to that? You don't say, oh, police officer, you know, I deserve to be let off. You know, so I appreciate you recognizing that and not giving me a ticket. No, you don't say that. You, you realize that you are guilty and you deserve the consequence and he relieved that consequence for you. And so you respond out of gratitude and you recognize him for this good act that he's shown towards you, right? So you probably say, thank you. You just don't know how much I appreciate this. You know, you go on and on perhaps about just praising this officer for his act of mercy, right? Or maybe uh, you, you could look at it like this. Maybe you are experiencing a lot of physical pain. And so you go to the doctor's office and you, know, you tell the doctor about this pain you're experiencing. It's just unbearable. And the doctor puts you through this procedure and you come through the procedure and when you wake up, all your pain is gone. Now, when that doctor walks into the room, how are you going to respond to him? Well, you're probably not just going to say, if you could just give me my bill, I will be glad to pay it. You know, no, no, you're, you're going to go beyond that. Because you're, this great pain has been relieved from you, you're going to respond in gratitude. And you're going to recognize this doctor for his mercy and his, his care that he has shown towards you to relieve this pain, right? And so who deserves our worship? Who deserves to be recognized by us for their value, for their acts of love and care and, and goodness in our own lives? Well, it's the one who has shown us mercy. And to the degree that you realize the amount of mercy that God has shown you will, will result in how you worship Him. You see that? For example, if you had a splinter in your hand and someone took it out, you would be thankful. But if you had a deadly disease in your body and someone re removed it, you would be even more thankful. And so how great, how much greater should our appreciation and our response be as we reflect and understand the amount of mercy God has poured upon us through sending His Son, Christ, on our behalf. I mean, should that not call for a response of gratitude? God is the recipient of mercy. I mean, of worship. Because of His mercy. He has demonstrated and extended to us mercy. And the response is for us to worship Him. 
Because he's worthy of it. Because of what he's done. So the calls of worship is this receiving of mercy, of grace, of the love of God. Who's the recipient of mercy? It's God himself. It's the one who gives out the mercy. And lastly, what is the effect of mercy? Well, he says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God or unto God, which is your what? Your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Okay? And so what is the effect of worship? Well, I asked you the question earlier, what is worship? And you probably thought about uh, very quote-unquote spiritual things like coming to this building at 11 o'clock on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. Or maybe it's when you pray. Or maybe it's when you read the Bible. Or maybe it's when you give an offering or something like that. See, what Paul's doing here in Romans 12, 1, he's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this word sacrifice is full of meaning. And if you've been around Christianity for long, your mind probably goes back to the Old Testament. And you begin to think, sacrifice. You know, God prescribed certain sacrifices for His people to bring to Him in a certain way, to a certain place, at a certain time, to have them presented before Him for the forgiveness of their sin. So that's probably going around in your mind. And then Paul says, okay, well I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. And then you say, well hold on a second. That's a little different, that's a little nuanced from what I read in the Old Testament, because what they would do in the Old Testament is they would take a, an animal that was alive and they would kill it. But Paul's saying, no, I, want you to, I don't want you to present a dead sacrifice. I want you to present a living sacrifice. And what does that look like? Well, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. In other words, when you came to Christ, when you experienced His mercy for you, and His forgiveness for you. He imparted in you new life. You know, the Apostle John, in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, talks about being born again. Which, if you think about it, it's just, you're given new life. So, the nuance is, in the Old Testament, you would take an animal that was alive and kill it. In the New Testament, in Christ... He takes something that is dead spiritually and makes it alive for himself. You see that? And so Paul says, if you have tasted the mercy of God through Christ, then you have been made alive for him. So present your bodies. This is your reasonable act of worship. This just makes sense. You know, it's just like when that doctor relieved your suffering, you responded in gratitude and thankfulness. And the idea is, how much more has God relieved your suffering of being separated from Him so that you can experience His love and plan for your life? You can experience His uh, peace in your life? How should you respond? How should you respond to that? Well, Paul, in another book, uh, when he wrote a letter to the Corinthians, here's what he said. And I think this might help us, because I think maybe we still 
tend to gravitate towards putting uh, worship into certain time slots of our life. But listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians. Uh, And the context here is that he is dealing with food that's been sacrificed to idols. And there's discussion about, you know, should we as Christians eat this food or not? And he kind of goes to this passage and then he sums it up with this statement in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Isn't that interesting that he uses, he uses eat and drink there? I mean, those, those things are the most fundamental elements of our existence. And we, we eat and we drink. And then he says, and whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. Why? Because we've experienced His mercy. Everything we are, everything that, that we are about in our lives should be an act of worship. It should be a response to His mercy. It should worship Him. It should, if you want to think about it this way, turn the spotlight off of all these other things that we serve and bow down to. It should put the spotlight on God Himself for what He's done for us. So think about it like this. When you're sitting at your computer at work and you're typing in data, that's an opportunity to worship. You know, when you are ironing your kids' clothes in the morning getting them ready for school, it's an opportunity to worship. You know, when you're taking a walk around the neighborhood or playing basketball or you're in the operating room, that's an opportunity to worship. Why? Because as a Christian, worship is not confined to this building or a certain season Or a certain time slot. Our life is worship. Everything we're about is worship. In other words, everything we're about is geared towards the promotion of God. Everything we're about is is about reflecting and giving honor and glory and praise to the one who, who has extended us saving mercy in Christ. You see that? All of life. Is an act of worship. It's not just here in this building. Or when you read your Bible. Or when you do the quote unquote spiritual things. Life equals worship. For the Christian. Because that's the flavor. Of our lives. The mercy and grace and love of God in Christ. That's the flavor. That's the tra- that is the trajectory. It's where we're going. That's where we're headed. That's where everything we're about is moving towards. And so that's worship. So when you or typing on your computer, or when you're filing your taxes, this is all acts of worship because there's a certain way Christians do those things. We do them out of of a position of humility, out of love, out of grace, out of righteousness, because we have tasted and experienced the mercy of God in Christ. We are what we worship. What we worship drives our lives. And Paul's saying, if you've tasted the grace and mercy of God in Christ, then your response will be presenting your body. And notice that it's your spiritual act of worship. In other words, it's not just about the duties or the external behaviors 
The motivation is rooted, from, in, rooted within. And so Paul's saying it's your spiritual act of worship. It's your reasonable service. It's once that's planted in your life, this is just what comes out. It's not just going through the motions it's, or attending a meeting. It's a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. So in conclusion, I want you to consider this verse that Paul writes. And I want you to ask yourself, do you even know what I'm talking about? I mean, have you experienced the mercy of God? And if you have not, my encouragement to you is to run to Christ. There's no other way for your sin to be forgiven. There's no other way for that separation to be bridged apart from Christ. That is the ultimate act of mercy that God has given you, and that is in Christ. So run to Him by faith. Most of you have experienced God's mercy in your life, and you're, you're a Christian. You're, you're, you're wanting, you desire to live for Christ. But the reality is, if you're like me, <laughs> my life is not always characterized by worship. Is yours? You know, are there, when you think about your work day, whether you eat or drink, are we doing all these things for the glory of God? Well, probably not. But I want to encourage you with a verse from Lamentations. The writer of Lamentations says this in chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Just, just let this wash over you if you're a Christian. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that should give you some encouragement if you're in Christ. Yes, there are times our lives do not reflect the, the fact that we've received mercy. But great is His faithfulness. Not great is our faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. That should encourage you to turn your face back to Christ. Offer your body to Him. Is God the object of your worship? What are we worshiping this morning? You know, as, we, as we prepare to sing, I want you to respond to God. Uh, I want you to, to evaluate your heart and just ask yourself, where do you stand with the Lord? You know, what, what does your life look like? Where is your hope? What are you worshiping? And I'm going to be down front. And if, if there's any way that I can help minister to you this morning, if you would like to join this church, if you would like to place your faith in Christ, or if you just need prayer this morning, I'd be more than happy to meet you here to do that. But as we sing, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship.